Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Kicked Back, a home for football fans that want to stay up to date on everything going on in the football world. Join Caroline, Liam, and some special guests along the way as they talk about all the trending news around leagues, players, teams, and much more. Now, all you gotta do is get comfortable and kick back, cause we're about to get started. Episode six of Kicked Back, everyone. And for all the United fans tuning in, congratulations. And for all the Liverpool fans tuning in, uh, our hearts and thoughts and prayers are with you all. Liam. It's always <laughs> next week. You've won a lot recently. Just is okay. We've been saying this for six episodes now. It's the beginning of the season. And we, you know, I can't wait to clip what we said at the beginning of the season about United. Mm-hmm. How we don't think it's the end of the world. They're not getting relegated. And, you know, the fans don't need to jump to all these conclusions conclusions they're just fine and it's going to be the same thing with Liverpool it it was funny yesterday going into the United game I did kind of feel like they were going to win yeah I don't know what it was it just kind of felt like I didn't okay could he get he didn't no good for you I was like man (laughs) this would be worse for United now I uh I even looked at my sports box to see like "Hmm, I wonder if I should put a couple of couple of pounds on this no I I didn't I actually put it on Mo Salah to score okay so so you still so so that worked out to me at the end but yeah Liverpool Going through some injuries right now, like the midfield definitely wasn't ideal yesterday. So we'll get into it, I guess, a little yeah. deeper into the show, but it's going to be okay, Liverpool. You're still going to make Champions League. Everyone's fine, guys. Everyone's fine. Uh, I think off the top of the show, I want to give a shout out to Patrick Vieira and the Crystal Palace squad. Because I think what Patrick Vieira has done with this team is so awesome, how he's instilled almost this type of mentality and spirit into his squad that have given mm-hmm. them the ability to think that they can compete, but also help teams around them recognize and even fans around them recognize they're a contender. Yeah, I think they're definitely an underrated team. Yes. It's kind of funny to think because I remember growing up, I, Palace were one of those teams like they would come up and get relegated and yep. then just kind of a bit of a yo-yo club. And now they've been in the Premier League for 10 years. They've definitely established themselves as a, a th- like a competitive threatening yes. team every week. Like I'm curious to see how this season develops. Like I think they're going to be probably somewhere between ninth and 12th ish like that. That seems like like a mid table team. Definitely. But I mean, 
down the road. Like, there's no reason to think this team can't eventually just compete for like maybe a Europa League spot or a Europa Conference League spot. I, I totally agree. I think, you know, kind of going off of what you just said, Liam, I think consistency will be key for them. And I'm curious to see how long they can keep this just high intensity, entertaining, skillful football up. Uh, I mean, they, they came back against Aston Villa. Awesome to see. They have such talented players. Zaha, Eze. I mean, these guys at some point completely annihilated Aston Villa on the pitch. Yeah. And he was even like, uh, you look at the defense, like Mitchell and Anderson were so good. And like gay, he's a really good defender as well. Like played a couple of times for England now too. It's, and I love the way like Patrick Vieira is just establishing yes. himself as such a great manager and someone who can adapt to like any mm-hmm. situation. Like you look at what they've done, like Arsenal first game of the season, tough game yeah. to go and win. They lost obviously, but they played pretty well. And last week they changed into a Liverpool team who's, they had to basically sit there for 90 mm-hmm. minutes and just take their opportunities and they got an opportunity and they scored. They could have probably even had a couple more. They played really well. And then this week they're playing Aston Villa and they know they can go and win that game and they just give it to them. They yeah. absolutely just put it on. It. Zaha was phenomenal. Uh, yeah. And like, it's funny because he actually missed the penalty, didn't he? In the yes, game. And, he got, and the he, he got the rebound on it, but he's, they play with such such energy and such high work. I think that this team is, is very entertaining to watch. It's that's exactly it. I think I might be tuning into the majority of crystal palaces games that I can catch because it was fun football. I mean, even when you look at the last goal that they scored, um, Mitchell played it into Zaha. Zaha had that unreal flick, Mm. quick football. uh, And then Mitchell's ball in for that goal was probably one of the best in swinging balls I've seen in a a long time. And Mateta, I believe that's how he pronounces his name with the finish from top to bottom. Just when you look at what happened in that sequence, the work off the ball, the work on the ball, the skill set that the players have and how they were able to just bury that game. I finished watching that game. I'm like, yo, I love Patrick Vera. I'm kind of low key cheering for Crystal Palace right now. I am too. And I wanted to get into this a little later as well, but just like the amount of teams right now that are in form, like you have like Brighton, Brentford yeah. too, and now Palace you can put in that group and like teams that kind of, People respected coming into the season, mm-hmm. but definitely had a team like Aston Villa against, ahead of all of them, right? We'll switch over to Villa. Okay, I like, want to, yeah, because you brought up a great point on this show that Steven Gerrard should maybe be held to a little bit of a higher standard in terms of him being a manager because sometimes the way Aston P- Villa performs, it's not on par with how they should be performing. Now listen to this stat, Liam. Okay. Aston Villa's uh, loss against Crystal Palace, that was the sixth time since last season they lost a game in which they led, which means to me they have bad habits in that team that have now carried over into this season that they have not addressed, and it's starting to affect them again. You have to... I think the tactics are a big part of it. Yeah. It just doesn't work when you have Tyrone Mings and Cancer there. Like, Cancer's like a good player, but Mings is a bit of a liability. And there's like Douglas, uh, Diego Carlos, like coming off with injury now is like a big thing for them. They almost need to switch different formation, it feels like. It just doesn't seem to work for them the way they want it to work. And it's going to take. It's going to take Gerard some time, I guess, yeah. if he wants to switch it up. But like next week, they can't go and lose again. And, you know, tonight they play Baltimore Wanderers, my team. So we'll see. Like, it's a perfect time for us to play them. But, <laughs> right. yeah, but, you're celebrating. Yeah. But I just, you know, it's just, 
a tough time to be a Villa fan because you have so much optimism going yeah. into the season. And now the only team you've beat is Everton. And really, you've had a soft start to the season. You have Bournemouth and, like, granted, playing against a newly promoted team that early in the season yep. away from home is tough. Then you have Everton and you kind of squeak by them in your first home game. And then you have Palace and Palace, you know, you should be putting up a better a better fight against a team who's competing for you for those European spots in like mid table. I think that the reason why managers have the role that they do and they make the paychecks that they, that they do is because they have to be better in tactical yeah. changes, formations. When you play a team, things may need to switch. That's exactly why teams have managers. And for all the Gerard stands out there, by no means are we, you know, uh, talking shit on him. We love him mm -hmm. from even his playing days. It's just, he needs to maybe, I don't know, Liam, what do you think? Take a different approach, reflect a little bit more, watch more film. I don't know. Gerard, you tell us if you're listening. <laughs> I, I think that's it. Like it's clear now this team's defensive awareness is horrendous to put it politely. And yeah. they just need to maybe take a bit more pride in that. I think as a team, as a whole, and, they have the players to be attacking. You know, like Ollie Watkins is a really good player. And he scored on Saturday. You have uh, McGinn, who I said, like Ramsey, uh, go on. Leon Bailey had a great yep. strike in that game, hit the crossbar. And it's just, you know what? If like as a team, you can come back and play better as a defensive unit and then just push forward with the ball, maybe just catch teams on the counter attack more often. And you've got the skill to do it. And now it's just about implementing those new tactics and like pushing forward from here. Uh, do you want to go to your game of the week, Manchester City, Newcastle? Yes. What a game. I know. I, I've been on Newcastle. Uh, we're only three games in, but like, I think they're a good team. And they've, they've really just figured it out how to like push against opponents and like really put them on the brink and like, to do that against Manchester City. Yes. I don't know the last time in the Premier League, like City was put to the test against a lesser opponent, yeah. if you want to call them like that, you know? Well, you, give people what they want, Liam. When you had your Newcastle take on the show, everyone loved it. They said that you know the sport because you called this and don't sleep on them. And <laughs> they're a team who found a way to come back against the big guys in the Prem. And you got to give credit to where credit is due. And I think that that's not an easy thing to do against not only the, the aura of Manchester City, but the big players that are continuously talked about on this team and even their manager it takes balls to do what Newcastle did. That, yeah, it does yeah. take that. And it was just a perfect strategy. And it's interesting the way Newcastle play in the sense of they use St. Maximum to his oh. maximum potential. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, this is great. That was a good one. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> More of those. Liam, at least one per show, please. I had the one last week too. I can't remember what it was, but that, so that one came to my head. So, so I, St. Maximum, what a great performance from him. Like as, just, as soon as he would get the ball, it was just, it was electric. Like it was so fun to watch him and, He's not just playing against no one. He's playing against Kyle Walker, who many regard as like a world-class right back. And he, he, Walker played well to an extent, but also just the way, again, just the way they weren't afraid. Uh, the fearlessness of the team was what was so apparent to me. St. Maxman, I just, one thing, he's a menace on the pitch. Yeah. And like anyone, even if you didn't play professional football, you can just imagine going against him in, in a pickup football game. You know that this is one guy you would not want running at you yeah. for many reasons. One, he you wouldn't want to cover him or mark him because he's dangerous off the ball too. And he's a unit, but 
man, his speed and his skill and his vision and everything. I'm just like, this guy is a complete package. Yeah. He's one of those players you kind of look at when you walk on, you're like, oh, he's wearing like the dead. headband, yeah. the hair. He's feeling it today. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'll play left back. I'll play <laughs> yeah. the other side. <laughs> Coach, sub, sub. <laughs> um, so just on the tactics of Newcastle, I thought the midfield all played really well, like Joe Linton and Bruno and uh, Will, Co- Will Locke, sorry, all played well. But it's interesting the way Newcastle play in the sense that, so Dan Byrne isn't like a speedy left yeah. back for them and he sits really far back and allows St. Maximum to kind of do his thing. But on the other side, Kieran Trippier essentially plays like, and I know we'll talk about his free kick, but he essentially plays almost as a winger, like he plays a yep. full on wing back. And it's, it's interesting that style is that it's completely opposite from yep. one side of the pitch to the other. And it kind of takes a good manager to realize the strengths of his team. And that's what Eddie Howe has done. I think is just putting players in the positions to, to really emphasize what they can do to like a full potential. And you know what, if I'm, if I'm a player over in Europe or like looking to kind of break into the Premier League and I see Newcastle knocking on the door and like talking, it's like, oh, well, maybe this is like kind of the, not the future of the Premier League. That's a bit of, that's a bit too hard to take, but they're a team who I think in a few years is going to be right up there, like competing for Champions League spots. And obviously they have the money now to go and do that. But just the manager for me is, is Eddie Howe is so good at just bringing out the best of his players. And he did the same at Bournemouth too, to like, and that, when he was there, like Bournemouth, we know like they're they're a smaller team in the Premier League, and he was able to just take that team to a good Premier League standard. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. They got relegated, but now he's at Newcastle. And I just really like the future of this team right now. I love it, and I can't wait for everyone to hear it because a lot of Newcastle fans online, maybe Newcastle fans aren't getting the content they deserve, so they just immediately went to yours. I will give you all the content. <laughs> I will promote Newcastle all day long. Trippier free kick, man. Barry Beckham. That's what they call him. I mean, I just, I, for me, the most iconic free kick of all time will be Roberto Carlos because. Yeah, I have actually won the count of that, but you Okay. Okay. Because for me, Roberto Carlos is, I just remember my jaw dropping for from how far out he was to how long his run was to the (laughs) bend from it being on the outside of the foot, just skill level and, and how difficult it is, he gets, you know, 10 out of 10. But Trippier's was just finessed. Yeah. There was nothing any goalie in the world could do to save that. And not only was it perfectly placed, but there was some some firepower on that ball. And I love to see the combo of those two being executed. I, I saw so my dad and I watched this game together and Trippier actually scored a goal similar in the World Cup semifinal against nice. Croatia. Nice. And it was, oh, it was almost identical actually. And the thing that I thought about this free kick, which made it a little bit more special, was he shot it on the same side that Ennis Edison was stood. Yep. And Edison still couldn't get there. And it's Perfect. just like how precise and how good was that free kick? So that was it was it was really good to watch. Uh so my free, yeah, favorite free on, kick. I want to YouTube this and, and Okay. So yeah, I have two. Pick this, one. Okay, uh, but I have I'll do the first one quickly. Okay. So JJ Okocha versus Aston Villa, actually 2004 League Cup semifinal at the Reebok Stadium. It was like right on the corner of the box. And I kid you not, he somehow curled the ball with the outside of his foot around the 
outside of the wall and got it on the inside of the post. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I'll post, I'll try and post a clip of it. We're absolutely going to. And the other one is David Beckham versus Greece at Old Trafford. I think that was 2001 or late early 2002. It was to send him to the 2002 World yeah. Cup. That was a special one. Like well, I, I don't remember the moment particularly well, but I've, you see all the time and just the moment and the celebration was so, so cool to, I'm, but yeah. I'm watching the JJ Akacha's one. Oh, did uh, you just watch it? Yeah, I pulled it up because I had to see it. This was the last time Bolton played Aston Villa in a cup competition. And, oh, that wasn't even it. There was a way better one. So if go to the end. Oh, this is it. This, this is, is it. it. Okay. I mean, yeah, already when you look at the angle, the angle, it's nuts. This is it. so good. They named him twice. I know he's watching again. To everyone listening, sorry, we're gonna we're gonna speed this up here in a second. I just had to know what Liam was talking <laughs> about. Of course, all of David Beckham's free yeah. kicks are are beautiful. Oh my god! <laughs> like what? The fact the that heck? he went near post from that angle is actually stupid. It was unbelievable. Stupid in the most complimentary yeah. way. Holy shit! Wow, isn't that crazy? Small, and it, there was like a little. So, okay, I wonder he There's hit that. No he hit that with the outside of his foot yeah. slash laces. Yes, and he had to curl it almost around the wall so quickly, but with so much power wow. to sneak it in. Okay, Liam, you may have a point here. Okay, we're gonna ask every. I mean, also the goalie to let that go near post. That's yeah. bad. Yeah, that's bad goaltending. Thomas Sorison, that was. Yeah, well, sorry, sin. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, okay, Liam's our pun master, everyone, not me. Uh, but okay, that was a good. That was That's a, a good, good one. That was a good one. Yeah. We're going to ask the people what they think. Everyone, uh, go watch JJ Akacha's free kick against Aston Villa, and then go watch Roberto Carlos's free kick and tell us which one's better. And then let us know yours too. Of course. Maybe we'll make Great a TikTok point. out of this. Uh, one, maybe one last thing. Uh, let, let's give some credit to Manchester United in this game because Sissy. they... Sorry, Manchester City. Yeah, my goodness. My brain's out to lunch today. Manchester City in this game because they, regardless of what Newcastle was doing, they still found a way to get the, you know, to get back into the game. Kevin De Bruyne's third pass or his, his pass into the game leading goal, I believe it was. I, he megged a player on yeah. the way. Like his pass literally went through a player and into the perfect slotted position. And to me, to me, there's just no conversation around the best midfielder in the world. Yes, Modric, but Kevin De Bruyne in my book's just a little, little notch higher. I, I think he's, he's essentially the next one, right? Like yeah. Modric kind of had it now. Yes. It's, it's times are changing, <laughs> but then again, Modric, I didn't see the game against Real Madrid, but by all accounts, he was, he was pretty good for them he's this so, weekend. I mean, he's always good, right? Yeah. We're not taking anything away from Modric. Um, so De Bruyne, I, I put in my notes actually, I thought he was fairly quiet-ish for like large portions of the game. But he showed up big time when they needed him to. And it just shows the quality on this Manchester City team. And it's kind of poetic. I'll call it poetic that Newcastle want to be City, right? Like Mm -hmm. they want to be the best. And it just kind of shows them as like, you got to, you can't just let off the gas for two minutes and then they come and score two goals and De Bruyne played a huge part in both of them and it just said it I think it's the time in a row now big time players make big time plays and like Haaland showed up when they needed to De Bruyne and just it was just quality from City when they really needed to show up they turned it up and they did the same last season when they played Aston Villa in the last game of the season to win the league too like you just can't write them off at all like it's they're just too good. Uh-huh. They're just way too good. Holland, uh, second in the Prem right now 
with three goals. Mm-hmm. Guy's a beast. Yeah. He's a... Uh, so unique, isn't he? Yeah. That's what I think I like about him the most is his physicality, his speed, and just his directness. I think that's my favorite thing about him is like he doesn't want to pass the ball to you. And it's not because he's a selfish player. He just wants why well, he is game. a selfish yeah, player, I guess, but not in like a bad way because if he isn't passing, he's probably passing it into the net. Perfectly said. It's not, he's selfish and it's not an ego thing. No. It's just his style of play. And that's why what makes him world class. Exactly. And even the goal he scored, I mean, maybe most players are just, you know, putting that in with medium power. That guy mm-hmm. blasted that ball. Yeah. Like you could tell even by the way he scored that probably gave his team energy. Cause they're like, yo, what just happened? It did feel like a, um, a bit of a punch for city in yeah. a way. Like we're in this, we're like we can, we can do this. Um, quickly back to Trippier, the red card. Okay. Let's talk about this great yeah. thing. Cause they gave him a red initially on that challenge. And then they took it back after VAR and yeah. gave him a yellow. Do you think it was a red? We have not talked about this yet. So I'm so <sighs> curious to hear what Liam has to say. So here's my argument why I don't think it was a red. Okay. One, he wasn't the last man. Okay. Yep. Secondly, it was the top of his, his boot that hit De Bruyne on the knee. So I think if you reverse that a little bit, and he's like, okay, if his studs were what hit De Bruyne's knee, mm-hmm. 100% red yep. card. But, and I understand I why the ref gave it in the moment, because it's a fast moving play. You kind of look at it and you're like, oh, he just took out his yep. knees. Tackles can't be that high though. Like you can't be putting your foot that high to like stop somebody, like just grab his shirt almost, you know? And I guess it's like, it's easy to say in the moment, you just kind of think of like, oh, I got to tackle this guy and he's jumping in. But like Trippier just isn't that kind of player who's out for blood and he's, he's not a dirty player. And so I'm going to say, no, I don't think it was a red card because of the point of contact with De Bruyne's knee was the top of Trippier's foot, not the bottom of his foot. I could not agree with you more. I... I love the way the ref handled it though. I did too. Because I agree with you. I think in the moment when you see something like that, immediately you're like, okay, it might be worse. It it might be worse than we even know. And I think him kind of setting that precedent of like unacceptable red card was Mm -hmm. great. Then you go back to VAR. This is why we have VAR, even though I think it's very inconsistently used. Um, He says, okay, for your reasons, exactly. Cleats were, studs weren't up. Because if studs were up, throw them out of the game. Because yeah. that's dangerous. Uh, and he wasn't the last man back. I think that you made all valid points. And I do think it was a yellow because at the end of the day, he did go for Kevin De Bruyne's body over the ball. And if he had challenged for the ball before, then then that would even, in my mind, eliminate a yellow. But he did get Kevin De Bruyne's whole body, stopped him from that penetrating run that he had. But I think the ref what made me the happiest about this situation, which I'm not always happy about is the way the ref handled it. Yeah. And this is like you said, like one of the good parts of VAR is cause it would have ruined the game. Yeah. To be honest, have. it would have ruined yep. the game if he got sent off. And I think there's a, f- there's arguments to both sides. Um, did we talk about the comments that Mike Dean made last week no. on the Chelsea pulling the hair? No. Or was I talking about with someone else? Okay. So this is, about Cucurea, Cucurea and Romero? And Romero. Okay. So it went to VAR, right? To yes. see, right. So, so what was the ref called? Andrew Taylor, was that his name? It was Anthony, some, Ta- uh, I think Anthony it, Taylor. Yeah, Taylor. It was at least Taylor, we yeah. know that. So Our boy. On the, on the play, obviously, it wasn't called. And I understand that, that he was, it's hard to see. Like, it was pretty subtle yeah. in a way. Um, so on VAR, Mike Dean made the point that he can't say that that was a red card as the referee is, I guess it's a rule. So what he has to do 
is then tell Taylor to go and look at the monitor and then Taylor decides himself. So instead of telling Taylor to go and look at the monitor, Mike Dean decided that he was like, oh, well, I can't do it. So we'll just play. And it's like, wait, what do you mean he can do it? So, so I, I don't know the exact rule, but he, he actually wrote about this in a newspaper in England. Well, I guess yeah, he because has a column. So important. Yeah. So <laughs> he, he can't make the call on that. So as a VAR, you can only decide if something is a red card offside or, um, I guess change from a red card too, or if it's, um, a penalty. So apparently anyway, or if it like dictates a goal or whatever it is. But how the hell was that not a red card? I, yeah, I guess I don't know how that was. I mean, a red card. never in my playing years would a blatant hair pull like that be yeah, allowed. It's almost violent conduct. It, it's, it is it's borderline violent. I mean, okay, conduct. Liam. Let's say we're going for a stroll. Okay, it's a nice day here in Edmonton. <sighs> it is, and someone comes up to me and pulls my hair and rips me to the ground. Aren't yeah. you saying what the hell just happened to Caroline? That's like <laughs> physical abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah essentially. <laughs> yeah. So, so his job as the VAR referee is to then tell Taylor to go and look at the monitor, which it also indicates in a way like, hey, this might be, this might be a card might be a red card or whatever or a foul, whatever you want to call it. And he just didn't do that. And he, he wrote in his column, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he was like, Oh, I spoke to my other colleagues after this. And like, I made a mistake. It's like, yeah, you took away three points away from a team. And like that, especially those two teams, that's going to come down to it. I said it last week too. Like I think Chelsea should have won the game anyway, but also for a referee to come out and say that, must be so frustrating because Taylor got all the blame. And I don't think it's really his fault when you're looking at it from that way too. And a change.org petition. Yes. Ban him for Chelsea from Chelsea matches for the rest of his life. You know that he got death threats and everything, everything after that. Yeah. I mean, but these are things with VAR and I understand the importance of VAR and and video replay in football. It's something that we need, but it's not consistent enough to my liking where it makes sense. There are some moments in some leagues and even international matches where I'm just like, how is that missed? Where did they go wrong? Because it's so obvious to us as viewers. And if this is their only job, how is it? How are they getting it wrong? Yeah. I (laughs) VAR obviously has mixed receptions from people i like it i think it's important for the right decisions to be made but it is frustrating when you have this technology that decisions are made incorrectly and i think that's what frustrates fans the most is when you they see stuff and it's like how was that not called or like even the offside thing that like we could go on forever about this but the offside thing drives me nuts too i was like literally the distance yes. between our laptops here and it's like that's offside it's like, I know. no it's not that's <laughs> not offside toenail yeah. uh there was maybe i'm crazy but there's one world cup or euro cup i'm thinking of where england had a, a goal, goal and it did it hit the cr- yeah. po- post and it go and went crossbar and went down yeah it went bar down yes. and now um i think it was, two, I knew it you was would 2010 know yeah. yeah and Barring out Frank Lampard, yes. England were losing the game massively anyway, but they had just they had just scored right before this. So it was 4-1 in the first half already. <laughs> they hit the bar out from Lampard and it was no goal. And it was like clearly clear a- as, a, as a goal and it didn't count. And there's just so many other moments too, like when Henri handballed it to like knock it back in for France when they were in a World Cup qualifier with Ireland or maybe it was a Euro qualifier. Whatever it was, it yeah. was cheating. And Jeez. VAR sees that stuff. And that's why I think it's important so you don't get moments in history. 
the Maradona hand of God. And obviously like Legendary. they didn't have that stuff back then, but it changes the game. That's wherever I get frustrated for VAR. I always think about that England moment because I remember watching that as a fan. And I'm like, how the hell? I mean, yeah. I know England was down, but you never know in momentum. these tournaments. Momentum is everything. We've seen crazier things happen. So I always think about that moment because yeah, that was an, a cracker of Lamp from Lampard. Yeah. And, and that could have completely taken the steam out of Germany and, and gave it to England. It changes everything. Yeah. And England probably weren't good enough to beat Germany that year anyway, but you never know, right? Never like know. momentum is a crazy thing. It's your year this year. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right, so. uh, Chelsea versus Leeds. I want to give a massive shout out to Leeds United because they are third in the Premier League right now. And last season, they were on the brink of relegation. So their their transition from last season into this season, even though we're pretty early on into the season, I think deserves a conversation, mm -hmm. especially since Rodrigo, who's um, on their team, he scored the second goal against Chelsea with his head. It was a really nice, really nice goal. He is the top goal scorer in the Prem right now with four goals. Leeds United making headlines. Uh, Liam, thoughts? They they just played with a lot of confidence. Yeah. A lot of energy. And this is Jesse Marsh's team now. Like he, yes, he inherited love that. it towards the end of the season from Bielsa. And Bielsa's loved in Leeds, but it, it definitely was the right call to let him go at the end. And now I think coming into the season, Leeds had a ton of question marks. Like, Marsh, no one really fully knew how he was going to be in the Premier yep. League. They lost their two best players in Rafinha and Calvin Phillips. And now Marsh has he's done a great job at bringing in players this summer, particularly American mm -hmm. players, which we'll get into, like Brendan Harrison and Tyler Adams, who know his system well enough. And they've really helped push it now. Like, what are we, three games into yep. the season? And... I don't know how well they'll finish this season. They're, in, they're one of those teams too, like we mentioned, like Crystal Palace, Brighton and Brentford, who are just like, I don't know where you kind of fall at the end of the day. Like they feel like mid-table upper challenges, I suppose, for like maybe a new conference league spot. But right now, if you're a Leeds fan, you're just thinking like, 
this couldn't enjoy, be any better. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. And like, like we said with Crystal Palace, consistency will be key and we'll see how much almost endurance they have in a mm. long season. Uh, but right now it's just fun football. And to me, watching teams like this do well and kind of upset these top dogs it's it's always a fun match to watch and Aronson I don't know that's the first goal where he stripped Chelsea's goalkeeper of the ball yeah he was he became the first American player to score an, under an American manager in the Premier League yeah I think times are definitely changing I love I'd love to hear that I yeah. mean I always go back to North American football and I just think in the next 10 years there will be more respect for the North American players and now even managers coming into those positions and it was just a sight to see you saw how excited excited their manager was when Aronson got that goal yeah. at a pure grit, just like pure hard work ethic. Yeah. He was, he was fun to watch. I've never watched him before. Like admittedly, this is the first Leeds game I've watched this season. They play with so much energy yeah. and like Brendan Aronson is the motor. Yeah. Like he gets everything pumping. And the reason he got that goal is it just didn't give up on the play. Like he just, man. yeah, he just went and challenged Mendy and like, I, it was, it's interesting, isn't it? Like you see all these goalies now who want to play with the ball and it's like, well, you have to be good with the ball if you want to play with it. And he just, <laughs> just put himself in a bad spot and that was all Leeds needed to kind of take him, just keep running with it. It was so funny though, Liam, because on this show when Chelsea played Tottenham, we, we came back to, to our podcast and we were like, Chelsea was so compact and tactically super sound and defensively they played a solid game. They understood the assignment, as the kids would say these days, mm. against Tottenham. But against Leeds, like it just defensively, it just kind of fell apart. And to your point, you said last show or a few shows ago that Chelsea doesn't have that quintessential striker. Uh, maybe the game would have looked different if Sterling's goal had counted in the first 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe an unfortunate run for, for Chelsea. But at the end of the day, that, that that's a problem they're going to face for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's definitely, it felt like... Um Chelsea wasted all their energy last week against Tottenham. And sometimes you see this in games where the week after such a great performance, yeah. you lose to a, a lesser team, we'll call Leeds up. Compared to Chelsea, they mm -hmm. definitely are. And they're the only team besides West Ham who just don't have a goal, who don't have a goal from an attacking player. <laughs> That's great. That's actually crazy. We're three games into the season now and Havertz doesn't have a goal. Sterling had one knocked off, I guess. Mason Mount doesn't have a goal. And it's just like... Which is crazy. What, I feel like he played so well. Yeah, he actually... I thought he actually had a good game. He's actually been pretty good for three games three, of the season. That, yeah, he's been really yeah. good this season. But it's just like, where are, you, where are you getting his goals from? Like, I just don't understand what the plan is. Like, and they're talking about getting a Bamiyang. It's like... Is that the is that the solution? Like, is, is Aubameyang really the guy you want to? You're Chelsea, like you just went from Lukaku and like Tammy Abraham and Timo Werner, who are all young, good players. Like Lukaku's a little old now, I suppose, but he's an established Premier yeah. League striker. And now you want to bring in Aubameyang, who Arsenal just got rid of because he was kind of a bit of a cancer yeah. to the team. And I just don't understand where their direction is heading, and they're spending so much money. And they're just not as good as they should be is the best way to put it, I think. Man, I'm just so confused because after Tottenham, I was, again, that game, I was thinking Tottenham would win significantly. I'm not going to, maybe like a 3-1, which I think is a significant score in, in football. But I, I thought Tottenham were going to have Yes. Yeah. And I was just kind of, I sat back. I'm like, wow, Chelsea's good. Like I maybe mm -hmm. didn't put enough respect on, yeah. on how good they are. And then now I'm just like, yikes, you know, there's, there's some holes in their 
squad. There definitely is. And so next they have Leicester at home, Southampton and West Ham. Must wins. All of them. Like they could definitely win all three of those games. Um, The West Ham one is going to be interesting just to see if like at that point of West Ham turned it around a little bit. Um, One other thing I wanted to talk about for Leeds. So I looked at this up and I was just curious to see the last time they beat a significant team because obviously they were out of the league for a while. And so last season and the season before, they didn't really have any massive wins. 2002, obviously they got relegated in 2004, didn't come back for a while. They beat... Poor guys. They beat Chelsea at home, actually. 2-0 at home in 2002. Jonathan Woodgate and James Milner got the goals. And I just oh, wow. thought, this team, like, I thought the atmosphere was unbelievable mm-hmm. in that game. And it, I was, it was good to see Leeds get that massive win yeah. at the time. And it it's fun to watch these teams go up against the big dogs and just Love really it. give them a game. Oh my God. And especially when they're at home and... I felt like the fans in Leeds were the 12th, 12th player on the pitch. Like they the just part. gave it to them. And my favorite part of the entire game was after the final whistle when they played a, I Predict a Riot by Kaiser Chiefs and the entire stadium was just singing along. And I thought that was, it was, it just felt good. Like it just felt good to like have all the fans there. And like after the last couple of years we've had, and it just felt really fun to see what went down. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, speaking of fans who must be happy about their team's performance, let's go into, we got about 20 minutes left. Let's go into United versus Liverpool. Yes. Um, man, <clears throat> this was a game where I was like, United's unfortunately not going to beat Liverpool. Liverpool's had a tough start to the season, mm. but at least I think that they have their shit together enough to beat this United side who is like absolutely in shambles. Yeah. This has now been Klopp's worst ever start to a season while he's been at Liverpool. Where do we start with this entire game? That's probably going to branch off into a hundred different things. (laughs) Um, We'll start with a positive, I suppose. For United. With United. Okay. Just to, first off, we've questioned Ten Hag's tactics on this show, specifically the way he positions his players and where everybody's playing, who's in the lineup, all this stuff. I thought it was ballsy. The second time we've used ballsy on this show. I guess we <laughs> should call it kicked back balls. <laughs> kicked back. I don't I, I'm not going there actually. Sorry guys. <laughs> We're not going to go there. Um, Ronaldo and Maguire, both on the bench. That's your captain and the face of your organization. <laughs> you football, and, questionably. Yeah. And, you just went with Rashford up front and put Varane in the team and it worked perfectly. Uh, it, it couldn't have got any better, to be honest. I love Ten Hag. I, I've said numerous times on this show that this guy needs more time. Uh, I love that Rooney called him, which kills me. Imagine yeah, I Wayne Rooney picking this. up the telephone and yeah. being like, hey, Eric. Uh, he said, I wouldn't play Cristiano Ronaldo and I wouldn't play Marcus Rashford. Here's the thing that I like about Ten Hag. You could hear that and it could get in your head a little, right? Mm. I bet you any money Ten Hag's been wanting to bench Ronaldo since he's thrown his captain's ban. Yeah. So I think that that was already in his mind, but he didn't bench Rashford. Which I am very happy about. Of course, because he played great, which I think he actually really needed that game under his belt too. So I think Ten Hag just needed a little bit of time. And I think the momentum 
from Casemiro signing to this club. The guy wasn't even on the pitch, but just the momentum of him being there, United signing a player like Casemiro, him being at Old Trafford, you saw the fans taking photos of him and being excited that he's there. That was enough to change the tide for this United team. It was definitely an interesting vibe going into the game. Because you, you the, thought United was going to win. I, I felt like yeah. they were going to win. But the protests outside, you saw them on social media, and it's like, okay, so that's actually happening. Then you have the Casemiro thing, and then obviously just winning the game in general, but also just knowing where both teams were at going into the game. It was, it was difficult to get a good read on what United were going to be, yeah. I suppose. But I do think... I kind of mentioned it last show. Like, I wonder how much the Casemiro signing affected the players too. Like, like we said, like knowing that this team is now trying to push up yeah. and be better. And one other thing I thought was really good was three of three of uh, Ten Hag's new signings: Martinez, Malasias, and Eriksson all played, and they all played so yeah. well. So, is this? I tweeted this as well. Is like, is this the United Ten Hag team? Like, is this what it's supposed to look like? Because if it is, like. It was very fun to watch on the counter. Now, when they play teams that aren't going to... Like, the first two games, they, didn't, they had all the possession. And they couldn't figure it out. But with Liverpool, Liverpool had all the possession. And United, I think it was around 30. Yeah, 30 to 70% possession. And they were the better team. So, oh. is this team better just on the counter? And, like, when they don't have the ball, is that the way they have to play now? Like, it feels that way. Uh, honestly, when I was watching this game... Off the get, I was like, wow, United looks good. What happened? Yeah. That 13.8 that 13 kilometers that Ten Hag made them run worked. <laughs> I think they ran that again in the first five minutes. Hon honestly, <laughs> like honestly, they looked sharp and Liverpool had no answer. Yeah. And then you go into Sancho's goal, which absolutely blew my mind. Just even the buildup. The, the buildup of it, Sancho cutting Milner... And you know what? Yes, Milner was trying to block his shot, but if you've played football, you never know to overcommit like that. Like I understand what he was trying to do, but there's other ways to go around it without absolutely sliding in there. And Sancho just made him look like he's never played football a day in his life. And then having the ability to pick up his head and have like one, two, maybe two and a half seconds mm -hmm. to place the shot because no one stepped up to him. United, I think from the get, got into Liverpool's head, took control of the game, and then buried, they hit the, they hit the post at some point yeah. and then buried that first goal and at that point Liverpool was was sinking yeah the uh the two players that scored needed it more than arguably anybody else in the Premier yeah. League to be honest like and as an England fan the England needs Rashford and Sancho to be in form going into the World Cup and also just United in general need those two because if those two are motoring it just helps everybody else like it just brings so much energy, mm -hmm. so much skill to the team. And like the way the confidence change in Rashford was unbelievable from the moment he scored. Oh, and then he had that run, like it was a bit of a poor finish, but the ball was just kind of bouncing in his mm -hmm. way and he's getting through guys. And it's like, this guy needs this so, so bad. And I'm so happy that he was able to do that. And I hope just for his sake and honestly for the enjoyment of the game, just to see him get back on form and just keep motoring again, I, I would love to see. And even when Martial came on the field, like he- yes. everyone loves him, yes. Yeah, like he was, he was really good. And I don't know where Ronaldo fits. Oh, man, Ronaldo came on the pitch and he had that crack at net. I'm like, how iconic would it be if he scored on I, that? Yeah. I actually would have loved to see that happen, but it's so interesting because- 
all of the top footballers in the world right now are, I think, I mean, just generally off the top of my head are having really good seasons. Neymar's mm -hmm. having a good season. Messi's back into form. Uh, Benzema, Mbappe. Look, le, not Lukaku. Le, le, Lewandowski. 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 Like, yeah. You just think of like right now when you think top footballers, these guys are in form. And then you see Cristiano Ronaldo and he's sitting on the bench yeah. ahead of the, right before the World Cup. It's, what the hell is going through this guy's mind? <sighs> It, it is interesting, isn't it? And he said that thing the other day where he's like, all will be revealed. Yeah. And it's just cryptic. like, what does this mean? And like, so Ten Hogg did an interview yesterday too with Sky Sports. And on it, they asked him, it was like, what's with Ronaldo? Like, And he's like, he said he wants to be here. And like, if Ronaldo is willing to change his game and like be that guy who sits on the bench and, t and like be a team player, then great. I just don't see it. Like, I just don't see him as that kind of guy. And even like you said the shot and yeah, it would have been iconic if he had scored, but it crazy. also felt so selfish. Like it came on and it just like, United have been playing as such a team this entire game. And then he comes Great on, point. I think he had two shots in like the five minutes he played and both of them were horrible. And it's just, you gotta, you gotta adapt. And, it takes time, obviously, under a new manager. Like, not it's, he's obviously a great player and an all timer, but he needs to be better for this team and not be such an individual and play with the team and not for himself. Did you see him dodge that Sky Sports reporter? Oh, Jamie Carragher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was, was that funny. who it was. Yeah, yeah I didn't know. It's, I just saw like a quick video, and I'm like, wow, that's a yeah. I also felt like a massive publicity stunt as maybe, well to me. Maybe. Not not even the Carragher stuff, just the fact he like came over to like. Gary Neville and Roy Keane. It was, uh, it was <laughs> interesting. Gary Neville kills me, man. Yeah. Uh, going back to what you said, I think it's a good point. And I see it from both sides. I see Ronaldo being benched and him being a top two footballer in the world for the past decade and him wanting to come on and be like, Hey guys, remember me? I'm the guy I can, I can also make an impact. So I understand it from a competitive standpoint, uh, point of view that he may have, but I also understand it. Yeah. You're coming onto the field. You're taking a shot that maybe you don't even have the best angle. And does he want it to put, does he want that goal to put United, um, a goal up or does he want it? So it says Cristiano Ronaldo scores a goal after coming off the bench, That's, which you got to wonder. And so I think there's two, two opposite situations that happened in towards the end of the game. You had the Ronaldo one where he shoots from that angle and it's like, ah, that was never going in. And then you get the Bruno one where right at the end, he tried to pass it over to yes. uh, Van der Beek who would have had an easy tap in. Good little start from Allison. And then Bruno goes and chases it down and gets a cheap foul for himself. And it just shows the kind of difference in mentalities. And I honestly, I'm not even the biggest Bruno fan. I think I'm he's kind of all. an interesting player. But yesterday, the diving I didn't like. But... I think that's the best game we've seen him play for Yo, a while. And it just showed what this team wants to be with the pass. And I just think that really cemented the performance as a team. And Ronaldo for me just, just didn't have that when he came on. And I hope he changes. Cause I, I love him. Yeah. Like I think he, he's been such a fun player to watch forever. And I want it so badly to work out. And I just have that like fairy tale ending. Yes. It just seems, seems perfect to be I, honest, but I just don't think it's going to work. I totally agree with you. I'm a massive Cristiano Ronaldo fan. So I want nothing more for him to in this last stretch of his career to find optimal success, right? Mm. Uh, whether that's with United or not, <clears throat> I just hope that he finds it. But uh, Bruno Fernandes, I do think he played really well. Even that one flick, do you remember? It, it was a flick that almost went in. 
I uh, think so. He like was in the box and he somehow maneuvered his foot to, to flick it behind him. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so freaking hard to do. And the fact that he did it and he had really good passes in the game and, and he was running a lot. Like I was impressed with him, but man, what ruins it for me as anyone who's listened to the six episodes we've had so far on kickback. I hate when players dive. I hate when players are being theatrical and even his little situation with Salah, like yeah. Salah scores the goal. I know that we don't want to give Liverpool the ball to run back to half to, to, to start the game again. But don't don't cover your eye like yeah. it's the end of the world. Just carry on, carry on. I agree. Like I actually, I actually kind of liked the intensity of that moment where he was not allowed yes, to get the ball. Like I, I thought that was really good. And someone made a good point on uh, one of the other podcasts I was listening to on the way, and it's like Salah should have really been giving it to him because Bruno was on a yellow. So if you get Bruno to respond, True. then he gets a red. But it was kind of it would have been a cheap way for him to go, and I don't know if the ref would have necessarily done it. But it's. Uh, it's good to see United have the physicality, yeah. the mentality to like be like, we want to win this game. And it's yep. like right off the start too, like Martinez, I think he bumped, was it Milner or someone like yeah. that? And I, I noted this, it just felt like it was a team spirit. Yeah. And I think huge. that's what United need. The fans were in it from the get go. And you know what? Like any football fan will tell you this, like they just want to see an effort. Like every week they don't just, and obviously you can't put in 38 great performances every season. It's just not going to happen, but you can, you can do your best. And oh I think fans appreciate that more than anything. A hundred percent, Liam. And uh, I think maybe this game could be a turning point for United. That yeah. was a massive game. Uh, on the flip side, you have everything Liverpool's going through. And there's one thing I'd like to say about Liverpool and something that I don't think enough fans are talking about right now is that I think Sadio Mane was this unsung workhorse for Liverpool. And if it's me, I'm never letting the heart of my team leave. And I'm not saying Sadio Mane would have came into that game against United and completely made a difference. Maybe he would have, but that's not the point I'm making here. The point is that I think Mane, it was the type of guy to have completely changed the morale around for this team. When he went to his first training session at Bayern Munich, he showed up 109 minutes prior to the session to work on his craft. He also stayed six and a half hours after the session to continue training. If I'm his teammate and I see that I'm following suit because that type of mentality and attitude is contagious. So I think that Liverpool losing a guy like that and I know that Sadio Mane said that he wanted a change to challenge him a little bit more. But if I'm Liverpool and I'm hearing that, I'm doing everything I can to keep a guy like that on my team because that type of mentality and that type of character can't be taught and is so important when it comes to a team. Yeah, and you, you need those guys, right? And 100. obviously Liverpool thought that they could just lose him. Not with ease, that's a bad way to put it but the leader leadership call would have still yes. been there and I think injuries are plaguing this team Huge. so hard right now like that midfield yesterday was Harvey Elliott who's mm -hmm. a promising player Jordan Henderson and Milner who were just they're just not what they were and it's it's a shame to see players kind of not fall off a cliff because they're both still good but they're good squad players they're guys you can bring on for the last 10 minutes of the game who are going to close it out for you they just don't have the legs anymore to run up and down the field and be yeah. those guys and this team like Tiago is such a key player for them and they need him back so Yes, my so dad was bad. saying that this morning. And even Matip at center back with Virgil van Dijk, just uh, there's a lot of a synergy <laughs> missing from the lineup right now. And if I'm a Liverpool fan, like I'm not that worried. No. Like, the Fulham one, again, I think they were unexpected. Like it wasn't expected Fulham to come out and the play the way that they did. The Palace one, 
was just a good performance by Crystal Palace. Yeah. And then this one, like we said, like the vibes were weird at Old Trafford yesterday. <laughs> and the midfield just wasn't what it needed to be. And like just mistakes. But I, like you said, Liverpool had 70% of possession. I don't think Firmino is the guy for them at striker right now. Like obviously Nunes is suspended. Jota, I think, is right up there like he should be up in the lineup more often than not when he's back from injury and they're just missing pieces like you have Bournemouth next week Newcastle the week after at home both of those are at home the Newcastle one will be interesting then you have the Merseyside derby at yeah. Everton so that'll be September comes around like Liverpool will be just fine like I wouldn't worry about it I'd, too heavily no and it's the same thing we were saying about United who was even in a worse position than Liverpool you know before this most recent game I don't think it's the end of the world injuries play play a key factor. I wonder in my mind if Virgil van Dijk is dealing with something. We know he came back from an ACL injury. The guys, clearly, it's obvious he does not want to go in for a tackle. I wonder if something is wrong with his knee that we just don't know about. On that note, I also don't like Milner's response to van Dijk. I'm all about, I'm all about a guy on the team being a leader and a captain and n you don't have to wear an armband to be that, right? Mm -hmm. Say that in the locker room at halftime, unless Van Dyke is like visibly being, you know, uncalled for, you know that he's in his head kind of in the dumps after that. He knows he effed up. He's a player at some point that was considered to be world-class when he was up for the Ballon d'Or. I don't know if I love that from Milner because I was just like, you see that and you almost see negativity. Yeah, it it shows, I guess, the men not the mentality, the uh, the atmosphere in the room, I suppose, right now. Frustration, Frustration, yeah. like, that's a good way to put it. It's just, this team obviously is so used to winning. They played every single game possible <laughs> last season, went to every final like what and all that. And Fatigue. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if that is catching up with them a little yeah. bit. I'm just looking at the schedule here, so I listed off all of them to Everton. In the next couple of months, they play Chelsea away, Brighton at home, Arsenal away, City at home, and then... That's a tough stretch of games there. But also, if you, all you need is a couple of wins there. All like, you if you beat City, if you get one win from, uh, sorry, two wins from City, Arsenal, and Chelsea, you're taking points off teams that are right up there challenging for Champions League spots. And you're right back in the mix. We're only three games into the exactly. season. And that's where I'm almost like Sadio Mane might have been that guy to be like, guys, we're okay. Yeah. Let's go figure it out on, at training tomorrow. You know, sometimes you just need that, that guy to make it feel better and Again, that type of attitude is contagious, but we'll see. I don't think it's the end of the world for Liverpool. Uh, one thing I will say is that the pitch at Old Trafford look, looked luscious. So mm -hmm. there's no way that Klopp can say the pitch was dry because I actually was looking at that. I'm like, that might be the most rich color green I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you know, the, the field maintenance team was ready for that game. That's why the Glazers are putting the money <laughs> right. into the pitch. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, uh, let's quickly, do you, did you want to say something about Bayern Munich, Liam, before we head off? Yeah, let's just talk about yeah. Bayern Munich. Like seven. 7-1 win this weekend. They've 7-1 or 7-0? Seven 7-0, nothing. Seven nothing, seven yeah. nothing. Sorry, I, in my head I had that Boys. they had only conceded one goal this season. Crazy. You know, people are talking about the Bundesliga and just how Bayern Munich is running away with it. And that's obviously true. However, I just don't think the league is dead like people are talking about. Thank you. Yes, I think the title race is done. Like Bayern Munich just win it. They're just going to win it every year. But I think there's so much competition within the Bundesliga itself. And it just shows. Like, let's talk about some of the results from the weekend alone. Like uh, Borussia Dortmund had a 2-0 lead over uh, Werder Bremen. <laughs> Werder Bremen then came back and won 3-2, scoring in the 89th, 93rd, and 95th minutes. 
Uh, Bayer Leverkusen, who have had a tough start to the season, but are a Champions League team, haven't won a game yet, but lost 3-0 at home to Hoffenheim. And then there's so many other games in there too, like Union Berlin were only promoted two or three seasons ago, beat Leipzig 2-1. And the competition within the league itself is so good. If you just kind of pull back the curtains a little bit and just push Bayern to the side, and obviously it's like the best team in the league and everything, but... There's a lot of talent in this league and I think it deserves a bit more respect than it's being given. And I quite enjoy watching the league, to be honest. Like the teams in there are good. There's a lot of history in the Bundesliga and it's good to have teams like Schalke and Werder Bremen back after they both got relegated. And now they're both putting up good results. Like we said, like yep. uh, the Dortmund and October's a tough run for Bayern. And I think this will help us really know what this team is about. They have Leverkusen, who I think by that point will actually turn it around a little bit more at home, that one is. And then they have Dortmund away, Freiburg at home, and Hoffenheim away. Like, that's a a tough run of games. And to start the season, I'm not saying it's been easy for Bayern. Like, they won at home. They won away 6-1 to Frankfurt, and then they beat Wolfsburg. Well, both those teams are mid-table teams. The Frankfurt one was a a weird one, I suppose. But they only beat Wolfsburg 2-0. And, you know, I just don't think we need to worry too much about the Bundesliga. I'd be more worried about La Liga, to be honest, than the Bundesliga. I love that you just brought this up because whenever anyone says Farmers Leagues, I always try and remind people it's not easy to score seven goals against a team. Mm. It's not easy to score 15 goals in three games and only allow one against. And Bayern Munich won the Champions League in 2020. So when you say that the Bundesliga is a farmer's league and that's the only reason they win, but they're able to go into the Champions League, maybe not as as of like recently, but they have in 2020, you know that this is a team that can compete. And I bet you any money, this Bayern Munich team does a pretty good job in the champions league this year. So I, I love Bayern Munich. I don't hate the Bundesliga. I mean, there was rumors that Ronaldo was going to go to Borussia, which would have been crazy. Um, But I do think that it deserves a little bit more respect. And I hate any time there's, you know, um, an achievement that Bayern Munich has or a Bayern Munich player, for for example, or even, you know, um, Holland coming from Borussia Dortmund. Everyone's just like, oh, what was the Farmers League? What was he supposed to do? That's that's obviously Sadio Mane is the top goal scorer in the Bundesliga because it's a Farmers League. No, it still requires effort. It's still hard. I'd love to go see these people try and do it. Yeah, I would worry more about. I said La Liga, but also League Un. Yeah. Like, I'm sure we'll talk about this on another show too, but PSG won 7-1 this weekend against Lille, who won the league two years ago. Yo. And it's just like, that is a statement win for I mean, PSG. A goal and an assist in the first half for Messi. Two goals, three and assists for... Um, Neymar? Or, like, sorry, in the in the whole game. Yeah. Messi, a uh, goal and assist. Neymar, two goals and three assists. And then a hat trick for Mbappe. I mean, they I figured, guess the drama's over. Yeah, I was going to say, they put all that stuff to bed from last week. Sergio Ramos. Guys. I was going to say, Ramos must have just tuck them all the heads together. And Could you imagine? Sergio Ramos is like, if you don't figure your shit out, I'm about to kick your yeah, ass. We have all the best players in the world. <laughs> Get over it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, this is... There's just so much to go um, to, to, to cover, but I mean... What a, what a cool job we have, Liam. It what is good. a cool job because we are very, very fortunate. So Tuesday, Thursday, we're going to have a special guest on the show. So uh, we'll let you guys know more on Thursday. But uh, just exciting times for football fans ahead because 
lots of stuff happening, especially in the prem. I will say I quickly watched AC Milan play against Atalanta. Well, on, I gotta watch that one still. It, it wasn't the best game. No? It wasn't the best game. I'm like, oh, Serie A still has some work to do to get up to, obviously a lot of work to do to get up to the Premier League, but it's it's good to watch these other teams and other leagues and, and uh, you know, just keep up with everything going on. Yeah, I actually, so I like watching Serie A too. And the first week was really fun. Yeah. And this week, there was not a lot of goals. No, was, I'm, I'm excited to watch the Napoli game just because they play so entertainingly. They played Monza and won 4 0. But yeah, what we got here Turin Lazio, 0 0. Uh, Atalanta AC Milan, 1 1. Roma, 1 0. Sampdoria, Juventus, 0 0. It's like, ah, that's not that yeah. entertaining. <laughs> so, well, yeah. It is what it is, but yes. we've got enough of entertainment on our hands. Lots going on. All right, everyone. This has been episode six. Of course, you guys know the drill. Talk to us in the comments. Let us know your opinions. If you agree with us, if you disagree with us, if you love us, if you hate us, you guys know the drill. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. That's a wrap for another episode of Kickback, and thanks so much for listening. You can catch Caroline and Liam here every single week on Tuesdays and Thursdays to give you the latest rundown on all things football. Please don't forget to subscribe and give us a nice five-star rating. Please and thank you. And for even more Kickback content, follow the 90th Minute on all your favorite social channels. See you next time.